So anyway, we're going to start with uh, verse 16. Know you not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. And so what that's saying there, obviously, is that we are the temple of God. Whenever you get saved and you invite Christ to be your savior and the Lord of your life, then he comes, the Lord comes inside of you and you become the temple of God. God lives in you. And so uh, the soul of a righteous man is the temple of God because it is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Now, temple is a word used to designate a building dedicated to the worship of a deity. Now, we know that uh, the pagan people and the heathens, they had temples where they worshiped their gods. And uh, there's just always been temples around where you go to worship, whether it be God Almighty or whether it be a false god. And so even the Israelites, they had uh, the temple that they moved with them in the wilderness. And then later Solomon built the temple. We know all about that. So um, a temple is a place designated to worship God. We are the temple of God. So that means our bodies should be dedicated to the worship of God. So what did they do in the temple in the Old Testament? What were some of the rituals that they did there? They offered sacrifices. They, uh, they performed the ceremonial washings or, or the ordinances or whatever have you. Everything was very traditional and ceremonial. It had to be done just exactly the way that it was written in Scripture. So they did all of that. But there was also worship. So uh, I found an interesting um, thing whenever I was uh, researching this. And... Uh, it said that uh, it talked about David, how whenever he was making the preparing the temple, he uh, appointed 4000 Levites to be uh, worshipers with instruments that he made. Uh, and I found that I'll just read it to you real quick, real quick. First Corinthians 23, five. Moreover, 4000 reporters and 4000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. And so I just found that absolutely astounding, that there, there was 4,000 people. He didn't just stop at just a few. He didn't say, oh, well, we don't need that many people. That's going to cause uh, some kind of confusion if there's that many people worshiping. Now, 4,000 people were appointed worshipers. Now, I'm not really sure if they worshiped all at the same time. I kind of... Uh, think that maybe they did but even if they didn't even if there was just well they split it into four groups and a thousand worship here and a thousand there a thousand is a lot of people think about our worship team up on the stage i mean how many is up there like including the musicians like seven maybe somewhere in there and so thinking of that many people worshiping is just the most amazing thing to think about for me to have that many people dedicated to the worship of the Lord because worship is so important it's so because he is God he deserves that worship we need to worship him so um, we can go about our lives without realizing that we are a temple that God dwells in and the whole purpose of a temple is to offer praise to God so uh, if that's our whole purpose is to worship God and we are his temple and there's supposed to be worship going on at all times does that mean that we need to go about our day constantly singing worship songs and constantly raising our hands and clapping our hands? Well, no, not exactly. But we should have an atmosphere within ourselves that brings worship to our God. I notice that sometimes I will hear different people saying and uh, bringing up, well, no lying in the house of God. 
They'll say something like that. Or, or oh, they shouldn't do that in church. You know, be, as if the church is dead. But it's held in a higher reverence because we feel like this is the house of God. Because this is where we come to worship. And, and it is. And it is, it's, it's a good place. And we shouldn't just tear down the, the, the walls or anything like that. But we are the temple of God. And so we should even reverence our own bodies and what we allow in our own bodies as, as the same thing, as sacred to God. So uh, we should maintain an atmosphere that brings worship to God. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, so let's look at the next verse, verse 17. <clears throat> if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So uh, some of, some of, I found some of this in some commentary in uh, my Bible. And so one of those says, We are called upon to contribute our share to the building of saved souls, which is rising through the ages to be an habitation of God through the Spirit. But in addition, we must not neglect the building of our own character on the foundation of Jesus Christ. God has placed him to be the foundation of every structure which shall stand firm in all the tests of fire through which we are destined to pass through. So having Jesus Christ as our foundation, we can stand firm and count on that. And so that's where we're going to go to Ephesians 2, and we're going to read verses 20 through 22. And it says, uh, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So Christ's great work was the reconstruction of the temple. Because you remember how he sees for he himself was a temple. Because remember how he was walking uh, in uh, Jerusalem and he said, one stone won't be left upon another whenever he was there. Well, anyway, I, I, that just came to me just now, so I don't have the reference for that. But Christ uh, was a temple. And so he gave himself. And so then he makes us individually temples. We were polluted by sin, but he cleanses our temples from that pollution. We are led under the influence of the Spirit of God to deplore the desolation and to long for the reconstruction of the temple. You see, you, you notice people just longing, especially older people, longing for the rapture, longing to go to heaven, longing to be free from this body. Well, they are looking for uh, the time that they will be changed. They will be completely reconstructed into reconstructed into Christ's image that he is now because he died on the cross and then he was risen again and he was he wasn't just some spirit walking around because if you remember whenever he saw the disciples he said touch my hands stick your your fist in my side where they they pierced him so he was he was tangible but uh, so that's what we are looking forward to the resurrection of whenever we will will be uh, with him and like him i shall awake in his likeness whenever i uh whenever i die so um christ is the builder of the temple 
when this change in our heart is produced, the temple is rebuilt because Christ is the builder. He is the chief cornerstone because sin polluted it in the garden. Sin polluted Adam and Eve, and it has been passed down all to us. We, we, we are all sinners. And if we would have been in the garden, we would have ate the fruit too. Let's just throw that out there. We wouldn't have just avoided it just because we're perfect. We probably would have ate it too. But because sin polluted it, God forsook it. But because Christ has purified it, God has returned to it and dwells in it and makes it glorious with his presence. So um, what that's saying is, is that God no longer dwelt with man once they took the apple. He was like, ah, man, I, that's... He was, he was like separated from them. You guys, you guys, I can't go where sin is, is what God was saying. And so then the perfect plan of Jesus, Jesus came and he died. And through Jesus, we can be purified to where God can live in us again. We can be his temple through what Christ did on the cross. And so we are the temple of God. That's, this should be an amazing thing that God who is the God of the Bible, who created all things, can live inside of us. He can come and he can live inside of us. Every intricate detail has been thought of and laid out for us to be able to allow God to dwell in us. If you read all the stipulations and the building plans of the temple in the Old Testament and how they are supposed to also uh, carry out the ordinance that we were talking about earlier, they, uh, they are precise and they are accurate, and like I said, they have to be carried out to the minutest detail. To every detail they have to be carried out. And so it's just the same with our temples. God made precise and accurate details that were carried out in the most perfect way for our temple to be made for him to dwell in it. Every single step, every single uh, checkbox was marked off when it came to us being able to become his temple. Jesus overcame it all. His blood poured out on the cross, and he made it possible for God to then dwell in us because through what he did on the cross, he purified us. We can rest assured that when it comes to us being his temple, he has made a way for us. We don't have to feel not good enough or let down because he provided the perfect foundation in Jesus Christ, and then he grows us into a glorious temple that houses his presence. We can have joy and we can worship God knowing that he has done the work for us to be his temple. He is the architect and we are the building. He provides the means for the building to be built, but we just allow him to do the work. So he has provided every single thing that needs to be possible in order for us to be that temple. What we need to do is say, here I am. Just do it, Lord. Here I am. I'm willing. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. And I believe every single word that you said. And here I am. And then he will do that work in you. Uh, and I wanted to just refer back to verse 22 in Ephesians real quick before we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But there, uh, verse 22 in chapter 2 of Ephesians. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We are built to be the habitation of God through the Spirit. When we are walking and living in the Spirit, we are continually being built into the habitation of God. That is how he builds us, is through his Spirit. So whenever you accept Christ, 
and you say, yes, I want you, Lord. I want to be your temple. Here I am. Just come, to, come inside me and just live in me. Then you, you, you allow him to come in and then you seek to be filled with his spirit. You seek for the Holy Ghost. And you say, Lord, I just need that indwelling of your spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, then I just encourage you to seek him. You don't have to seek him here at this altar. You don't have to seek for the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in church, you can seek him anywhere. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at home. And uh, so it, he will come to you whenever you are willing. Uh, so going back to verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now defile, because it says if any man defile the temple of God. Defile also means corrupt. So if you corrupt the temple of God, then you are going to be held responsible for that. God is going to hold you accountable if you defile his temple. And then corrupt literally means to break, separate, or dissolve. And so I'm going to read a few more definitions of corrupt. Uh, To waste, spoil, or consume, to defile, there it is again, or pollute. To entice from good and allure to evil. So if you defile the temple of God, that means you corrupt his temple and you are taking it from good to evil. So it says that if any man defiles the temple of God, then God will destroy him. And looking deeper into that meaning of destroy, because that seems like such an awful strong word, I ran across some other words such as ruin or spoil or wither. And I also uh, read this commentary, and I'm not saying this guy is completely right. I just thought it was interesting what he had to say. So the verb is the same as in the next clause and should be rendered if any man destroy the temple of God, but the word is perhaps too strong and the word mar or injure might better convey the meaning. The two verbs are brought into vivid juxtaposition in the original. God shall ruin the ruiner of his temple. So that makes a little, you know, uh, if you defile the temple of God, you're not just going to be struck dead. uh, Like, because... That's kind of uh, what he says here. St. Paul was perhaps thinking of the penalty of death attached to anyone who desecrated the temple of Jerusalem. So the real temple, the, 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 the temple of the Hebrews, it was death if they were to uh, do anything to the temple. So that's possibly what he was meaning there. But uh, I thought it was interesting when he said, God shall ruin the ruiner of his temple. So uh, I want to throw in here too, I heard uh, someone say that God always leans toward redemption first and then judgment. And that's just, it's just the way he is. He, he always wants to give us every single chance we can take to, to repent before he turns to judgment. Or even better yet, uh, uh, Colt was telling me last night after he read over, I, let him, I was having to read over what I had to say, and uh, he was talking about how he heard a pastor say that we shouldn't necessarily fear God's judgment because we are all going to stand before God's judgment. And if we are in Christ, then we're good, right? If we are in Christ, Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our holiness. So God's judgment will be judged through Christ. What we should fear is God's wrath. because. And when Colt said that, I, I immediately thought about whenever... Uh, I can't remember exactly what the children of Israel had done, but God was like, that's it. Moses, I'm killing them all. 
I'm just going to kill them all, and I will raise you up another people. Because they had just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. He's like, oh, you know. And so he was like, let's, let's just, we're just going to kill them, and then we're going to raise, I'm going to raise you up a different people, and then you can lead that people. And Moses interceded for the people, and oh, I would to God that we would be the same for the lost and the dying and, and, and the hypocrites and the religious that get on our nerves because they just do the same thing over and over if we would just be willing to intercede for them as Moses did. Because Moses said, no, Lord, don't do that. Please don't do that. And, and they had been mean to Moses. I mean, I, I think they even threatened to, I don't know if they ever threatened to kill him, but they, they, they were, they've even threatened to go get a new person to take him back to Egypt. I mean, they were brutal to even Moses. But Moses said, no, God, don't do that. Don't do that, God. Uh, just 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 give I, whatever he said he he told god please don't do that and and god didn't but it's his wrath that we should that we should fear but he is always wanting to offer redemption and forgiveness before his judgment and his wrath he wants to give everyone every single chance they can he can to for them to repent so i don't want you to think that if you have stumbled and you've stumbled into something wrong and you've got this hang up and this sin and you can't seem to get a handle on it and you just seem to keep tripping and you keep you just keep falling over it that doesn't mean that uh, there's no hope for you that you that doesn't mean you've defiled his temple because you you're you're struggling with something if you're struggling then that means you're trying to get away from it. That means if there's conviction, that means he's working on you. If you feel bad over something that you're doing, then he's trying to get to you and say, hey, I still want you to repent. Please repent. Come on, just just come back to me. Confess what you did, and I'm here, and I forgive you. So when you feel conviction, that means that the Lord is purifying you, and he is building you into that building. He's building you into that temple that he wants you to be. However, all that being said, if you turn away from his ways completely, if you break fellowship with him, and you separate yourself from him, then you are tearing your building down. You are tearing your temple down. Whenever you're starting to just completely turn away, when you begin to pervert yourself with the world, and you blaspheme the very one you used to love, then that is corruption, and that person will be ruined and destroyed and spoiled in the judgment or the wrath of God if no repentance is made. Because can you imagine uh, going and standing before God and him saying, you were in youth group? You remember Chelsea talking about that? I was, I was tugging at you. I wanted you to repent. Do you remember when you were uh, on the street and that old lady came and handed you a track? You remember whenever you were at school and, and that crazy Christian guy talked to you and tried to tell you about my love? Do you remember that? I was reaching out to you. I was reaching out to you over and over and over again. You, you said no. I wanted you to say yes, but you said no. And now the judgment and wrath has come. So the final verse that we're going to look closely at is verse 18. And it says, Let no man deceive himself. If any among you seem to, seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. So let no man deceive himself. We are so liable to self-deception. We are also liable to be deceived by others. I mean, we just want to believe the best in people sometimes. And so we're so liable to, to just believe people and be deceived but this warning is repeated uh, several times in Scripture. You can look that up if you'd like to. Just look up deceive. But uh, here it says, uh, 
In verse 18, if any among you seemeth to be wise in this world. Now, wise there means skilled or expert. And so then I looked up expert. An expert is someone who has a prolonged or intense experience through practice and education in a particular field. Informally, an expert is someone widely recognized as a reliable source of technique or skill whose faculty for judging or deciding rightly, justly, or wisely is according is accorded authority and status by peers or the public in a specific, well-distinguished domain. An expert more generally is a person with extensive knowledge or ability based on research, experience, or occupation in a particular area of study. So an expert knows their stuff. They know. They know what they're talking about. If you need an expert on plumbing or you need an expert on your air conditioner because you're hot, going to call somebody that's had some experience. You're going to call somebody that knows what they're doing. And so what this verse is saying is if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool. A fool is dull or stupid. Also blockhead came up and I found that a little amusing. But uh, fool is somebody who is dull or stupid. And the Bible just told us that if somebody is wise in this world, they need to become a fool. They need to become a fool in the world. The only way to be wise in the Lord is to be stupid in the ways of this world. And it doesn't mean we put our head under a rock and we don't know what's going on in the world at all, but it's that we don't highly value it and that our hope and our assurance and our treasure is with the Lord in heaven. It doesn't mean that we completely don't listen to anything, but it doesn't mean that when something goes wrong in the world or whenever a a new law is passed that looks like it's going to take away our religious liberties, you know, we can be concerned about that, or not even religious liberties, just anything that's going on. Just you see something disgusting or something in the world or an election's coming up and everything hinges on this election. And they're important. I'm not saying they're not. But our hope isn't in an election. Our hope isn't in a law. Our hope isn't in the president. Our hope isn't in the school system. Our hope is in Christ. Our treasure is in heaven with our Lord. So we uh, we also don't need to be wise in the sinful acts that take place. And that's a tough one because we know a lot of what goes on. We know a lot of the sin that goes on in the world. But you know what? We don't need to know about every bit of it. We don't need to know how they do the, the disgusting things that they're doing. We don't need to be wise in that and, and uh, 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 Google every single thing that, uh, that's going on. I remember I watched um, I'm Not Ashamed, and it was about the Columbine shooting. And uh, it was about a girl who was a Christian and, and things, and she died in that shooting. So it was mainly about her. Well, anyway, after I watched the movie, and it was, it was just terribly sad, I remember looking on the Internet about all the, about the, like the shooters and stuff and different things, and, and it just disturbed me. And I, cause, uh, my, at the time, the girls were spending the night with my parents, and they weren't there, so it just got me all on edge. And so I didn't need to be wise in why those boys were doing that. I didn't need to look at that. I didn't need to be an expert in what happened because all it did was disturb me. Uh, the best thing I could have done was just to be like, Lord, wow, you know, stop this from happening. My treasure is in you, and there's wickedness in the world, but my hope is in you, God. 
Paul said in Romans 16, 19, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, and this is the main part, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. We need to be simple about the evil. We don't need, like I said, don't stick your head under, you don't have to stick your head under a rock, but we need to just keep it simple and keep the good, the, the good of the Lord, and knowing that the Lord will make things right for those that love him. So, um, so what good does it do you to know all about the filth that goes on? We should be wise about the good things and simple with the evil. So going back to that first phrase let, in verse 18, let no man deceive himself. So, I mean, who, who here hasn't deceived themselves at some point? At some point you told yourself, but oh, no, I'm not mad at them anymore. Yeah, I totally forgave them. It's no big deal. And then you run into them at the store and you're like, oh. I don't want to talk to them. Oh, I just don't. Oh, oh, hi. You're still mad at them. If you don't want to talk to somebody because they they wronged you in some way, you're still mad at them. You deceived yourself. You told yourself you were done with it and you were good, but you deceived yourself. And we can do that in so many different ways. Uh, uh, You uh, just... I know I've deceived myself in many ways. Oh, well, I'm good with that. That's all fine and dandy. And no, it's, it's not. So we, we, even though we feel like we know ourselves so well, we can still deceive ourselves into thinking that, that we've got everything under control. Uh, the scripture is warning against you deceiving yourself into thinking that you are okay with God, even though you show more expertise in the things of the world than the things of God. Why do you care if your friends think you are lame because you carry your Bible? Why would you care? Why would you care if people thought you were weird because you go to church on Sunday night? Why do you think that, uh, why would you know more quotes of Friends or Seinfeld over quotes of the Bible? Why are we more wise in the awful filth of the world than we are in the things of God? If it's okay to feel different, it's okay to be different. God says we are a peculiar people. If you're in Christ, you are different. You are set apart. But it shouldn't make you ashamed to the point that you don't pursue godly habits, that you don't pursue the things of the Lord, that you aren't an expert in God, in the things of God. And for sure you should feel safe when you're in this room or in this church to express yourself to God. You guys should feel so comfortable in here whenever we are worshiping to worship God however you feel that you, you, you want to worship him. It should be no big deal for you to raise your hands. It should be no big deal for you to stand up. It's, you should be comfortable in here. And if you're not, then uh, nothing is holding you back except for your own reluctance. Nothing is holding you back but yourself. And I, I'm there, you know. I thought about shouting one time back here in a song, but I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, go ahead and shout. If if, if somebody cares, then they shouldn't. If somebody cares, then the Lord will deal with them in the way that they should be dealt with. But we should be willing to be the temple and to worship God in any way that, that he leads us to do so. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can be both wise in the world and in God because you can't have it both ways. You can't serve two masters. You can't be an expert in everything of the world and then come in here on Wednesday night and kind of get a little glimpse of God and then go out and try to live both ways. You can't do that. Uh, You must become a fool in the world to be an expert in the Lord. And there will come a day 
when we will stand before God. And Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now notice there that they're calling him Lord. That's the first thing you should notice. They know who he is. They know him. They know who he is. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess to them, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They mentioned some pretty amazing things that they did there. They prophesied in Jesus' name. They cast out devils, and they did many wonderful works. But Jesus said, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We can go through the motions and deceive ourselves into thinking we are in a right relationship with God. So make certain that you are. Make certain you're not deceiving yourself. Make certain that you really love him and you really are about him and about his business. If you feel unsure, things come to mind that you think you should not be doing or things that you know you should be doing, then confess it to the Lord and repent. But don't keep telling yourself that you're not ignoring God living in sin when you really are. Make it right with him. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Well, we know that Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So if we are lying to ourselves about the sin in our lives, then the truth, which is Jesus, is not in us. If we're going about our lives and just going about our happy way, thinking that we aren't doing any kind of sin, and we are just, just fine and dandy with what's going on, then we deceive ourselves in that. We must make certain. And so I just want us to pray about this. If, if you want to come to the altar, you come up here. Whatever uh, you feel led to do, I want you to do. But please, the Lord's here and he hears. He knows your heart. He knows our hearts better than we do. So just listen to him. If he's revealing something to you, telling you, you know, this just isn't right. I just don't want you to do that anymore. Or if he's telling you that he wants you to do something, just listen to him and just have a talk with him. Tell him how much you love him and just just renew the covenant that you have with him. If you're saved and you love him, renew within yourself. Lord, I just... I just want to be that temple for you, Lord. I just want to be the, the temple that you dwell in. Please keep building me. Build me through your spirit. Help me to go on, Lord.
Oh, 